have to stay there. If you can't see, that's good. You can, you can squish on in. Amen. Amen. All right. Second Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. And, and just briefly while you're turning, uh, if you signed up, if you signed up to go on the Israel trip or one of the Israel trips we're going to take in January and in December, I've got a little packet for you that I want you to pick up. So stop by 411. If you signed up to go on the Israel trip, if you're going in December, I've got a December packet for you. If you're going in January, there's a January packet. So stop by 411 and pick that up. It's information that you need. And all of God's people say it. All right. I want to do this. Uh, I fielded a lot of questions this week and uh, a lot of people with some struggles and concerns. And uh, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're, saying, you're thinking I'm avoiding going back to Matthew, but I'm not. I promise you I'm not. We will get back there and continue our journey through the New Testament. But I have an obligation to do what the Lord tells me to do. And, uh, and as a shepherd, I need to meet the needs of the sheep. And right now, this, these are some needs that we want to address and deal with, okay? Uh, here's, here's what I want to do. And, and, and I, I was going to try to get it all in today, uh, but after five pages of notes, it's not going to happen. Say amen. Uh, we want to we deal with the subject of salvation. Salvation and knowing you're saved. Right. Knowing you're saved. Uh, uh, because I don't know about y'all, but it's not that life is so short, it's eternity so long. So we need to get this right. We need to get this right. If there's anything we need to get right in life, it's salvation. Amen? And so here's what I know. Here's what I know. In, in the church, in the church, there are, are different kinds of people. One is there are saved people, saved people, genuinely saved people that struggle with doubt. That struggle with doubt. Uh, but then on the other side of the spectrum, this is way over here. This is way over here. Saved, but they're struggling with doubt. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got people that are lost but are deceived, thinking they're saved. Uh, and and we're, we want to address that also. We want to deal with that also. And, and so here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to take the first, first group that we're talking about, saved people who are genuinely born again but struggle with doubt. I want to address that today. I was going to try to do it both in one, but there's way too much information to do that. And I'm not going to shortchange this study, okay? This is way too important to, to cheese it and to just give you the short version. You're going to get all of it, amen? And so we're going to do that today. Next week, Lord's willing, we're going to deal with those who are deceived, who are truly lost, but they think they're saved, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. And, uh, and, and then the following week, maybe we'll have the blueprint of salvation. How I know what, what, what are some, what are some evidences that are true evidence of, of salvation, genuine salvation. So if I don't answer your questions today, next week, the third week, we'll probably get it. All right. And if I don't just, just shoot me a note and I will try to answer it that way. If you're all here and ready to go, say amen. amen. Second Peter chapter number one. And, and let's look in verse number one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. So we know by that statement, he's addressing saved people. In other words, to them who have the like precious faith. In other words, you're saved like we are. Are y'all with me? So we know he's addressing saved folk. All right. 
uh, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Look what God wants you to have. Grace and peace. Peace Peace be multiplied. How many of you know if you're doubting, you don't have any peace? Are y'all with me? But God wants you to have peace multiplied, all right? It says, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's, from verses 1 through 4, he's talking about the blessings of salvation. God has given us everything that we needed. Nothing is missing for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish as a child of God. Are y'all with me? What a blessing salvation is. But then as we continue, it says, and besides this, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. That means bring alongside generously Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. In other words, he's saying from one through four, this is what God has done. But verses five, five through seven, this is what you need to do. Are y'all with me? Now look what it says in verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound, this is what it's going to do for you. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here it is, here it is. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. In other words, he's short-sighted and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know what that's saying? Here's the the common terminology if you want to just get in basic words. He's saying if you don't add this and work on this and pursue these things in your life and you don't see these abounding in your life, you're going to doubt you as ever saved. You're going to forget the fact of what God has done for you. So he's dealing with doubt and assurance. Okay, now look, verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. fall. And and what he's saying there is you're not going to fall into doubt. You're not going to fall into fear. You're not going to fall into insecurity. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now, let's let's pray and I'll, I'll let you sit down this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the great crowd today. Thank you for hungry people. Thank you for awesome worship and the good singing. And uh, Lord, we truly do love you. And we we truly want to feel your presence today. Holy Spirit, move in and out of these pews today, in and out of these chairs today. Lord, touch every single person in their need and whatever they stand in need of today. Lord, fill me with your power, control my mind, control my words, control my thoughts. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me say, uh, uh, Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we all pray. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.
and amen. Church, say amen. amen. Just as a, as a, as a beginning, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about people that are truly saved, but they doubt. They doubt. They struggle with that. They struggle with the fact of, are they saved? Are, 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 they, are they secure? Is everything okay? Uh, here's what I want you to write on the top of your notes. If you've got your notes there, I want you to write this on top of your notes and don't ever, ever forget this. Never. Say that with me. Come on, everybody. Never determine salvation by comparison. Never, 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 ever compare or, or determine salvation by comparison, and you can put here good or bad. And, and let me explain. In other words, say that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty good person and I look at somebody else and they're not living to the moral standard that I am. And so I'm determining I'm saved because I'm better than that person. Are y'all with me? That don't work. That don't work. There's a lot of good, upstanding, moral people in hell today. So you never compare or determine whether you're saved by your good behavior compared to somebody's bad behavior. Because here's the, here's the problem with that. When, when you stand at the judgment, you're not gonna, your, your life is not going to be compared to somebody you sit beside. It's going to be compared to Jesus. Now, you might stack up pretty good sitting beside the one you're sitting beside, but when you stack up to Jesus, you're pitiful. Are y'all with me? So we can't compare, we can't compare and determine whether we're saved by comparison and comparing our life to somebody we think is bad. But then on the other hand, on the other hand, you cannot determine your salvation comparing yourself to somebody that's good. In other words, in other words, we have this struggle. Well, if that person, as good as they was, if they wasn't saved, I sure ain't saved. And you look at someone else's life and they, they read their Bible on purpose. Come on. I know who I'm preaching to. Don't look at me that way. They pray a lot. But for some way or another, the devil deceived them somewhere along in life. And, and so now you're comparing their behavior and their activity and their faithfulness to yours. And they were more faithful than you. So if they wasn't saved, then obviously I must not be wrong. You never, never, ever determine whether you're saved by comparison to someone else's life, good or bad. Are we all on the same page? Okay, here's what I want to do today. Don't mistake what I'm going to share with you today. Don't mistake what I'm going to tell you as far as what you need to do about this. Because I'm not telling you what to do to be saved today. I'm telling you what to do to be assured. Because there's two different things. Because there's nothing you can do to save you. Only God can do that. Now let let me explain what I'm saying. Look at the top of your notes. Look at the top of your notes. You got to stay with me on this. Eternal security. Eternal security is the spirit revealed. Come on, everybody. It is the spirit revealed fact that salvation is forever. What does that mean? 
The Spirit of God has revealed in the Word of God that when God saves, He saves forever. What does it mean? John 10, verse 28. And I give unto them, come on, I give unto them, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have. All right, we have eternal security. It is a fact. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. It is a fact. It is objective. It is a fact that's determined by God's word. Okay, and there's a hundred more verses I can give you, but I didn't have enough room on the paper. All right, it is a fact. It is a fact. Say it with me. It is a, it's a fact, but, but watch this assurance is the spirit given. Okay. Not spirit revealed, but spirit given subjective confidence that we truly possess eternal salvation. Now let me say that again. Eternal security is the spirit revealed fact that salvation is forever. It's a scriptural fact. But the assurance of that is the spirit-given subjective confidence that we truly possess eternal salvation. Now let me explain. When it comes to eternal security, God has promised that in his word. That is completely determined by him. Your doubt does not affect your security. It is a fact. It's objective. But on the other hand, your assurance of the fact is greatly determined by your behavior. Do you see what I'm going at with this? In other words, it's it's like this. It's like, how many of y'all read the book, The Five Love Languages? The Five Love Languages. He made a point in this book that, that really made a whole lot of sense to me. That, that someone can truly love you. The fact can be that they love you, but they don't express it in a way that you feel it. And if you don't feel love, uh-oh. You see, one is a fact. I do love you. I do love you. Well, I don't feel it. You see, one's objective and one's subjective. Now, you can be saved and eternally secure, but not feel it. Am I going somewhere with this? Now, the fact is the fact. I mean, we can line up verse after verse after verse after verse after verse where God has promised eternal life. God has promised to secure you. God has promised to the uttermost, he said. Amen. That's a fact. But sometimes our feelings, our feelings... Because of things happening in our life, our feelings don't line up with the. So I'm going to address the feelings. I'm going to address the doubt. And so what I'm telling you today and what you need to do is to what you do determines your assurance, not your salvation. He has secured salvation. You can't do any works to determine your salvation. But you can do some things to affect your assurance. Is everybody understanding where I'm going with this? All right, now. All right, let's look at this. Number one, 
What are some reasons for doubt? And we'll try to go through these quickly and give you the remedy. What do we do? I'm saved. I'm saved, born again. I know Christ. But there are some things that sometimes causes me to doubt it, causes fear and, 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 and doubt to come in my life. First thing I want you to write down, A, sometimes we doubt because of unbalanced preaching. <clears throat> unbalanced preaching. And what do I mean by that? I grew up in a, I grew up in a movement that was hell, fire, and brimstone. I'm talking about, I'm talking about hell, fire, and brimstone. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about they didn't have but one bullet in their gun. And they preached the same message over and over and over and over again. You're sinners and you're going to hell. Now, I don't care how long you've been saved. If you hear the same message over and over again, you're going to think, well, maybe I need to get something else. And, and, and there's unbalanced preaching. In other words, it's very law heavy. It's very legalistic. It's very condemning and damning. Now, now let me say this. There needs to be hard preaching. There needs to be hard preaching on sin. There needs to be hard preaching. And, and listen, the law brings us to Christ and shows us that we need Christ. But once we get to Christ, man, you need to talk about some grace and mercy. And you need to, you need to preach the whole book. I was in a revival. I was in a, not me preaching it, but I was invited to it. It was a little small church and they asked me to come and, and, and one of the members did. And, and so I, I was going to be nice and I had a little, little Jordan with me. She's a little old bitty thing, a little old tyke and went in here and there's probably about, I don't know, 25 people there. And, 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 and I don't know if you've been in this kind of church, but it, it was, they sing about four songs and then testify and then sing some more songs and then testify. And then sing some more songs. And everybody, everybody testify. I want to thank God that I'm saved. And I want to thank God that he is saved. I'm talking about, I'm talking about not, not, I mean weeping and wailing testimonies. Thanking God for salvation. Everybody in the building testified, including me. I wasn't going to be left out. <laughs> Bless God, everybody else going to get in. I'm going to get on some myself. Amen. I mean, everybody in the building and the evangelist got up and this was his message. Ye must be born again. I'm like, where was he at the last 45 minutes? Everybody understand what I'm saying? It was all he had. It's all he got. And you sit under that over and over and over again, man, you're going to think, well, maybe I'm not. Or, or. Those really evangelistic style crusade meetings where the, the emotions get running a hundred miles an hour and, 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 and man, the, 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 the preacher is working it up and his message is in such a way he's trying to provoke a movement out of the, out of the crowd and, and everybody. There's such an, a high emotional atmosphere. Man, I've seen that. I've seen that cause many people. Because it wasn't, it wasn't they were being moved by the spirit. They were being moved by their emotions. And whether you believe it or not, your emotions are very powerful. And so sometimes unbalanced preaching can cause doubt. That's why, that's why Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Preach all of it. Are y'all with me? So unbalanced preaching. Number two, number two, real quick. Be whatever you want to put. Sometimes the... 
be feeling too sinful to be saved. In other words, somebody's past has been so wicked. Their past has been so wicked that they don't feel like they deserve to be saved. And they struggle, they struggle with the idea that such a holy God could love and forgive such an unholy person. And the reason that is, is because whether you realize it or not, your human conscience is, is, is rough on you. And especially for people that have such sensitive souls, man, your conscience can be relentless. There ain't no way you're saved. You remember what you did? And so they keep looking back and they keep looking at their past. Listen, that's not a good idea. That's why Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. And sometimes we don't fit. And by the way, for that person that's like that in here, none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. So, so you're, in, you're in good shape at Temple Baptist Church. You're amongst, you're amongst friends. Are y'all with me? So sometimes our past and the wickedness of our past causes somebody to feel and have a difficulty accepting forgiveness. See, sometimes they doubt because they do not accurately comprehend the gospel. And this is because of false teaching. False teaching tells you that you got to come to God by grace, but you got to be good to keep it. They believe, they say, they don't, but they say, they believe for by grace are you saved through faith. It's all faith and it's all grace and it's all mercy. It's not of works. You come to God and you get it by faith, but you got to keep it by works. That's, that's, that's error. That's not biblical. Listen, if you could keep it by works, he would have never had to die. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Many have an erroneous notion that maintaining one's salvation requires their effort as well as the Lord's. Salvation, they think, is secure as long as they keep believing and avoiding sinful patterns. Assurance of eternal security can be very elusive to the person who believes it partly depends on his own cooperation with God. Now, here's what you need to understand. I asked somebody that was of this persuasion. I said, well, how do you get saved? They said, well, you pick up your cross and follow Jesus. You pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And if you lay that cross down, then you lose it. So her determination of salvation was based on her ability to carry Jesus' cross. And let me tell you, there's not a human being alive that has the ability to carry Jesus' cross. This person was not trusting what Jesus did on the cross, but their ability to carry the cross. And and listen, if you cannot be good enough to get it, you're not going to be good enough to keep it. Well, you just feel like you can just do whatever and everything's all right. No, it ain't because God will beat the devil out of you. And I'm going to get to that. There is chastening. All right. Anyway, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Sometimes people doubt because of unbalanced preaching. Sometimes because they feel that they've been too sinful to be saved. They struggle with accepting forgiveness. They do not accurately comprehend the gospel. The gospel is for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. D, 
Here's a biggie. They can't remember the exact moment of salvation. This is huge, especially for people that grow up in church. Maybe, maybe they got, uh, uh, got saved early in life. And they struggle with it because they can't remember the date or the time. Because you, you see a lot of people, on such and such a day, in such and such a month, I trusted in Christ as my Savior, and, 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 and here we go. Now, see, my dad cheated because he got, he got saved on his anniversary. <laughs> so that was way too easy to remember, amen? But, but here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. And the reason this happens is because there's been way too much emphasis put on a big event. And because of revivalists and, 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 and fundamentalists and, 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 and down through the years, there's been such an emphasis on signing the card or walking the aisle or coming to the altar or making a decision or praying a prayer that if you can't remember doing any of that stuff, and, and, and I'm not against the altar. We got a big one. I'm not against an invitation. I give one every service. I'm not against praying a prayer. But the point I'm making is this, is there are people that prayed a prayer and nothing ever changed and they are still the same as they was. Y'all with me? But then again, there's some people, there's some people, I have, a, I have a cousin who sat on the tailgate of his truck in the middle of a logging woods, and he said, this was, his, this was what he said. He said, Lord, I, t- I was told that I was supposed to repent and get saved. Whatever that means, I'm doing it now. That's all he knew. And guess what? God saved him. He wasn't in a revival. He wasn't in a church. He wasn't at the altar. Y'all with me? My dad, when he went forward, he was in all of that. And he grabbed the preacher. And the preacher said, what do you want? This is my dad. Whatever y'all got. (laughs) But see, there's such an emphasis put on that. And not on where you are right now. Are y'all with me? Here's the thing. We've made such a big deal that people expect that when you get saved, there's supposed to be lightning or flashing or, you know, there's, the, the birds sound sweeter, the sun shines brighter, and there's a dramatic event. It's not always the case. The only legitimate, look at your notes, the only legitimate basis for assurance has nothing to do with a past event when one made a decision. But it is based on the reality of, come on, reality of present trust in Christ's atoning work as evidenced by one's present pattern of faith, obedience, righteousness, and love for the Lord. What does that mean? That means this. I have seen people who got a Bible when they got saved because they went forward in evangelistic service and they have the date in there and, and, and when they made a decision and, and they've lived like hell itself from that day forward. And, and, and to convince themselves, I'm truly saved. There was no change. There was no difference. There was no evidence of fruit in their life. But they keep going back to that date and that time, that event in their life where they made a decision. But then you have, you have an old boy that grew up in church and he can't remember the exact date. 
He can't remember the exact time, but he knows something changed. Do y'all see where I'm going with this? Don't determine. Don't, don't, don't say, well, I can't remember the day. That's all right. Where are you at right now? What's happening right now? What evidence is in your... And we're, we're going to discuss those, maybe not, maybe not next week, but the week following. But we're going to talk about those things, all right? That's the only legitimate basis for assurance. It has nothing to do with a past event. It's based on the reality of a present trust in Christ's atoning work as evidenced by one's present pattern of faith, obedience, righteousness, and the love for the Lord. What is, what is the pattern of your life? First John chapter 1 speaks very much of this. It says, as we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we, come on, we lie. We lie and do not the truth, all right? E, sometimes, sometimes we struggle with assurance. We struggle with assurance because of the struggle with the flesh. In other words, in other words, something happens in your life. And you say, oh, man, how can I be saved if I thought that? How, how could I be saved if I acted such and such a way? Does that make sense? And so there's an inward struggle. And because of, because of some preaching, you have this idea that if you're saved, you're just not going to struggle with this stuff anymore. I got news for you. If you're saved, you're going to struggle. Because your flesh ain't saved. Your flesh is not regenerated. It is not redeemed. It is a pain. Yeah. You have to face it every day. You have to fight it every day. You have to get it under subjection every day. Paul said it this way, and and you got to balance this. When you read Romans chapter number seven, when you read Romans chapter number seven, you got to keep it in balance because Paul was saying this, that that I don't want to do, I do, and that that I do want to do, I don't, and that, oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And see, in that day, in that day, when when someone killed somebody, when someone murdered somebody, they would take that body and strap it, tie it to the person that did the murdering, and they had to walk around with that dead body on them till the rotting corpse began to decay and rot into the body of the murderer, and that's what eventually killed or executed the murderer. And so what Paul is saying here, he says, I'm carrying around this old dead body. And that is his old dead flesh, that old man. He said, every day I wake up, I got to face him and I got to deal with him. And I got to deal with that old nature. And it's a struggle. It's a fight. It's a fight. And some people think because they struggle bad with their flesh and there's a fight all the time. I must not be saved because I struggle. I got good news. I've got good news. He also says in there that I have a, he said, I may not do right, but I sure want to. You see, his desire has changed. He may make a mistake. He may falter or fail, but he has a desire to do right. He has a love for God. He has a love for God's word. And although he struggles, he has a desire to do right. And let me give you a hint. 
People that are not saved, they don't have that struggle. So what does that mean? A struggle is good news. You see, a sinner will sin and don't care. A saint will sin and be broken and be convicted. That's the Holy Spirit. Oh, say man. Feel a little preach coming on. Amen. Thank God for the witness of the Holy Ghost in our hearts. So, hey, sometimes we struggle. Oh, if I was a, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just tell you something. Let me be transparent right here. Can I be transparent and be clear with you? There are days I don't feel like a Christian, much less a preacher. I don't feel like a preacher when somebody cuts me off in traffic and I want to snatch him out of the car and choke him down to the ground and explain it to him. I've been praying about this. Help me, Jesus. Amen. Listen, in our discipleship, in our discipleship training, we've been, man, we've been talking about lead us, Holy Spirit, fill us, Holy Spirit, which means control us. And I'm telling you, he's had his work cut out lately. I, 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 I said in the last one, you know, we have our I wills, our I wills because of what I've learned. I will this week. And one of my problems I realized and God revealed to me, I'm just speaking too much negative stuff. And so I had, I, I've had to watch my mouth and ask God to don't nothing negative. I don't speak nothing negative. I'm sitting in the hospital waiting for my dad to go into emergency surgery. And a, and a dude walks by with shorts about this big. I don't know why that's coming back. I, that, that should never come back. Man, don't you see them old, them old videos of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson with a little shorty short? Come on, man, leave that in the past. And he walked by, and I went, and the Holy Ghost caught me. And it was that morning in devotion and, 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 and with our, our, our staff meeting that I said, I may not made a vow, but this is my I will, that I, I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I looked at Mindy and I, she was sitting beside me in the waiting room. I said, man, this is a bad day to make that I will. <laughs> now, how many of y'all will be honest for a few minutes and say, you got struggles in your life? But at least you're struggling. An unconverted, unregenerate person does not have that struggle. Okay? Here's the thing. F. Why do we doubt sometimes? Why do we doubt sometimes? They don't know and obey the word. They don't know and obey the word. Now, let me give you F and G because they kind of go together. And I want you to write something beside this, okay? There's times that we doubt because of sin. F and G, write this. They don't know and obey the word. Then G, willfully sinful and walking after the flesh. A saved person can do stupid things. Do I have a witness? Now, here's what I want you to write beside F. Write this beside F. Put sins of omission. Sins of omission. In other words, I, I struggle with doubt because I'm not doing what I should. That's sins of omission. 
When I don't read my Bible, I should. When I don't pray, I should. When I don't witness, I should. All of those are sins of omission. That means I omitted something I should have done. Does that make sense? That's when, when I am ignorant of the word. I don't know God's word. I ignore it. I neglect God's word. I don't know what it says. I cannot be a doer of the word if I don't know the word. Are y'all with me? And I cannot be led by the Holy Spirit if I don't know the word. And so if I'm not led by the Holy Spirit, I don't have the confidence and the assurance that the Holy Spirit gives. Does this make sense? And you're doubting because you're neglecting. You're omitting something that you should be doing. Is everybody with me? Now Now the next one, G, willfully sinful and walking in the flesh. This is sins of commission. This is doing what you shouldn't. This is, this, in other words, the first is things you omit. This is things you commit. Does this make sense? All right. Let me, let me, while you're writing that down. Sins of omission, F, not doing what I should. G, sins of commission, doing what I shouldn't. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? For the lust of the, or for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so they cannot do the things that they should. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now let me show you what's going to happen. What's going to happen when you're operating in the flesh? These things, now, now I want you to get this now. Everybody in this room has potential to commit what I'm fixing to tell you. Saved or not. Okay, watch. Now the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such to like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which, now the word do, this doesn't mean a single event. The word do is the word prazo, which means to practice. In other words, he's saying the people that these things I just listed is a regular practice pattern in their life, they're not born again. But you know what he's saying? That if you are born again, you have potential to commit these things. How many of y'all know saved people can lie? How many of y'all know saved people can commit adultery? It's happened all in the Bible, through the years. All these things, we all have potential. So before you get on your high horse and look down at somebody else, you should understand you have potential. If you are not led by the Spirit. Now watch, now watch. But, but, the fruit of the Spirit, what's produced by the Spirit in us as we are led by the Spirit and we submit to the Spirit is love, watch the next two, and what? Joy and what? You know what peace is? It's assurance. Peace. Peace. All right, now look. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. 
clearly, clearly, one who walks in the flesh and fulfills his desires will not know the blessing of spiritual fruit or the joy of assurance. Because purity, underline this, because purity and assurance go hand in hand. Now remember, we're not talking about salvation in this whole message. We're talking about the assurance of salvation. Purity and assurance go hand in hand. What does Hebrews 10, 22 say? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does he say? Purity and assurance go hand in hand. In other words, you can't be living foolishly and expect to have assurance and confidence and peace in your heart that everything's okay. It's no difference. It's no difference. It, it, here, here's, let me explain it this way. I was, raised, I was raised in a household where they, they would whoop you. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? A chastening. There was no timeout. There was no corner. There was no counting. My father never counted a day in his life. I'm going to, one, two, please. You better move on one. And so sometimes, sometimes I would do something foolish. And I knew he knew. And so although what I did in a foolish way did not determine my relationship, I was still his son. But I had no peace in my soul. Does everybody understand that? Don't expect to have assurance and peace if you're doing something ignorant. Now, it didn't affect my relationship. I was still, no matter what, I'm a carter. Period. Is everybody with me on that? So sometimes, sometimes unbalanced preaching, sometimes a wicked past, uh, sometimes just not understanding the gospel and salvation, what the Bible truly teaches about this. Sometimes it's false teaching. You've been told something your whole life that you got to be, you got to get saved and you got to be good enough to keep it because if you're not good enough, man, that'll cause you to worry your entire life. I would hate to know, I would hate to know that I had laid down my head on my pillow every night and hope I didn't do something to lose it that day. Are y'all with me? There's many reasons that cause doubt. But what do we do about it? Let me give you these four quick things. What do we do about it? Let's take it right out of 1 Peter. First thing you need to do. A, here's the remedy. Say, preacher, I know I'm saved, but boy, there's sometimes I doubt. First, you need to know God wants you to have assurance. What's, look at 1 and 2. First, 2 Peter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking to saved people. He said, to all you saved people, watch what he says. To all you saved people, verse 2, grace and peace. peace. Say it with me. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Let's, 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 let's substitute peace with the word assurance. Okay? It's the same thing. Grace and assurance. be multiplied. In other words, God is saying, I don't want you to just have some 
I want you to have a bunch. God doesn't want you sitting around worrying all the time. God doesn't want you. Man, there's not one single child that belongs to me that I want to sit around worrying whether I'm going to kick them out of the house or not. I want them to live their life in joy and peace and know I got this. God is the same way. He is your father. He doesn't want you sitting around worrying. He wants you to have joy and peace and assurance. Look at look the verse. Look at the verse. Romans 8, 16. The spirit. Say it with me. The That's capital. You see that? That's the Holy Spirit. Itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know what that means? That when you got saved, God the Father put in you uh, the Holy Spirit to testify and be a witness that you truly belong to Him. He wants you to have assurance. He gave you help. He gave you somebody to walk with you and be with you. Man, when I go, you say, how do you know you're saved? Man, if I think about doing something stupid, the Holy Spirit, what? Malcolm. And then if I do something ignorant, he said, come on now. He's there. He's witnessing. He's telling me. I can't just act any way I want to act. I, I can't behave any way. I belong to the king. You see, he wants you to have assurance. Look at this next one. This is great. I love this one. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us, what? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son hath not life. The son of God hath not life. These things, watch this now. I'm telling you these things, John says. I'm writing you these things. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God that ye may. Come on, that ye may. Say it with authority that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Don't ever let a foolish person who doesn't know the Bible try to tell you you cannot know you have eternal life. You can know. Amen. God wants you to know that ye may know that you have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So the first thing, No, God wants you to have assurance. No, God wants you to have assurance. B, remember, remember assurance requires effort on my part. Now, do you remember what I said? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking, that's objective. I'm talking about subjective. I'm talking about the assurance of salvation. I didn't have to do anything I didn't have to do anything to determine my salvation, but accept it. He did it all on the cross. Are y'all with me? Salvation is eternal. It's secure. He did it all. He's making sure. I'm not making sure I stay saved. He is. Y'all with me? But feeling it, being assured of it, requires something on my part. How do you know that? Look at the next verse. Now, once he tells them about salvation and everything that's given to us in salvation and the power and the provision of salvation, he says, verse 5, and beside this, beside what? Your faith. Beside your salvation, he says this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. In other words, these virtues 
And I did a whole series on each one of these one year, and I don't remember which year it was, but you can go back and check them out. But these virtues you need to pursue and add into your life. And, and the, the word literally means to supply generously. You need to pursue virtue. What is virtue? Moral excellence. Moral excellence. What does he say? Provide virtue and virtue knowledge. What's he saying? You need to keep learning. Knowledge is not based on God. Knowledge is based on your effort to study. Don't, don't, don't ignore the Bible. Don't neglect your Bible and neglect being in the house of God and neglect the teaching of the Word of God and expect to have assurance in your life. There is some effort that's required. You have to step up. You have to do something. You have to pursue it. Look what it says. Look at the, look at the verse, Philippians 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now, now, much more in my absence. What's the first two words? Say it again. Say it again. Work out what? Your own. Your own. What does that mean? It didn't say work for. It said work out. What does that mean? That means that when you get saved, God puts something in you. And then you work it out. You bring it. Listen, you pursue the virtue and the knowledge and the temperance. You work on your self-discipline. Are y'all with me? You work on these areas of your life. So how do I do that? Ask God to give it to you and try. Don't not listen. All this, all this. Uh, I'm just going to let go and let God. That's not what God said. Why do you think Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I, what's the first word? I, I press. He's making an effort. He's striving. He's going forward. I want these things in my life. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul's saying, I'm spending my life getting to know Christ. Add to your faith, knowledge. Learn your Bible. Learn your Bible. The greatest greatest weapon against false teachers is truth. Y'all with me? Listen, there's effort required on my part. You just can't sit back and hope everything goes well. I haven't been able to spend time in my garden. Y'all ain't going to believe what it looks like now. It don't look like yours, Miss Jennifer. Listen, it requires effort. You want fruit, you got to work for it. Hello? Don't complain about not having assurance if you're just going to sit idle and do nothing. See, quickly. No, God wants you to have assurance. Remember, assurance requires effort on my part. Verses 5 through 7. Understand the consequences of inactivity. Verses 8 and 9. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, these virtues, knowledge, temperance, patience, God help us, patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. He says, work on these areas of your life. Pursue these virtues. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be nor You know that word unfruitful there is the same word he used when he said the unfruitful works of darkness? 
Now look. He said, you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, but he that lacketh these things, he that lacketh these things, he's just not pursuing these things. You're not adding these things to your faith, to your walk with Christ. Look what he says. These things is blind. He's blind. And cannot see afar off and hath, and hath. That he was purged from his old sins. If one who professes faith in Christ fails to pursue the virtues listed and fails to be fruitful, he becomes blind and forgetful to what God has done for him. Now watch this. And is unable to discern his true spiritual condition. If he is not seeing an increase in these virtues, he forfeits his own Assurance. You know why that happens? It's because then you start looking at somebody else who's progressing. And they are seeing fruit in their life, but you're not seeing fruit in your life. So automatically you're going to think, well, I don't have what he has. You're right. You don't have the effort that he has. Not the salvation. It's what he did after it. Are y'all with me? Now listen. D, lastly. No, God wants you to have assurance. Remember, assurance requires effort on my part. Understand the consequences of inactivity. Trust in the promise of Scripture. Verse 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, the things are the list of virtues in verses, what, 5 through 7? If ye do these things. If you pursue. Now remember, he's talking to save people. And I'm talking to save people here. We'll talk to the lost people next week. But if you do these things, if, if you pursue virtue, moral excellence, if you pursue knowledge, study your word, learn it. As, as, the, as our guide in Israel said, read it from cover to cover. If you do these things, you shall never stumble. You shall never fall. You will have the assurance that you are needing to experience the joy of your salvation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Listen, let's, let's stand. Let's stand. I went way over time. Stand. Apparently y'all didn't listen fast enough. Everyone stand. Listen. God wants you to be assured. You say, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling. Well, just bear with me. Obviously, we didn't have enough time. We didn't even have enough time for this one today. Just, just, just bear with me. Maybe God's helped you today. Maybe God's given you some assurance from what you've heard today. That's wonderful. You ought to thank God for that. But here's what I need you to do. Say, God, speak to me. I know you want me to have assurance. And if I don't have it, there's a reason. God, help reveal to me that reason. And we may find that out next week. God may show you in this service. He may have already shown you. But listen, don't think that God's up in heaven playing games. He's not wanting, nope, guess again. Nope, guess again. If we ask, He'll tell us. If we have a true heart and a seeking heart, 
Listen, and if we can help, if you say, preacher, I can't wait till next Sunday. There's no way I can wait. Put this off next Sunday. That's fine. See us today. See us today. We'll have people here. If you need to talk, if you have questions, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. But don't, listen, don't procrastinate. Trust Christ. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all that you do. I pray that you'll bless now.